One thing I can't get enough of as a people leader is feedback. Do you love feedback as much as I do? If so, please consider writing a review of All Hands and rate us wherever you listen. You're listening to All Hands, a podcast brought to you by Lattice, where people strategy is business strategy. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. Of all the hot topics this year, one thing seems to have captivated the attention of investors, founders, employees, college professors, and film executives alike. Can you guess what I'm about to say? Yep, artificial intelligence. Despite this technology being around for decades, AI has taken the world by storm this year with the public debut of ChatGPT. Suddenly, every company has an AI spin, every tech employee is being asked to incorporate new tech into their workflows, and people are seriously questioning the relevance of certain job functions. As an investor and people operator, I've been watching the space closely to see how artificial intelligence is transforming and will continue to transform how we as people leaders operate every single day. And my dear listeners, it appears that you all have been keeping a close eye on this too. We recently asked Lattice's Resources for Humans Slack group for your questions about AI's impact to the HR function. And today is the day we're going to get some answers. I'm chatting with two incredible guests to share their views. First, we have Vijay Manny. He's the founder and CEO of Covey, an AI tool that takes care of all of the boring parts of recruiting, sending timely follow-ups, sifting through talent, even onboarding. We'll also be joined by Chris Vanzetta. Chris is my colleague at 776, the early stage investment firm I helped to co-found with Alexis Sohanian. He leads our talent and firm outcomes teams, which includes our people and culture function, and is an investing partner leading deals in, yeah, you guessed it, HR tech. Covey is the first deal Chris has led here at the firm with AI being a primary driver for the investment decision. Let's get into it, shall we? Vijay and Chris, welcome to All Hands. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. Excited to talk about all things people and HR with you both. Thanks, Caitlin, for the invite. Vijay, it's so nice to chat with you and really excited to talk about AI in the people space with you both. Today, we are talking about something I find absolutely fascinating. It is the intersection of AI and HR. This is where the robots meet the people to do the most human work in any organization. So if you ask around in our industry, you'll find there are two very clear and distinct camps. Are the robots friend? or are they foe? Now, I've had the pleasure of exploring this topic with each of you in our work together over the last year, but I'm really excited that we actually get to bring this discussion here to our all-hands audience. I want to start with some basics. Vijay, from your perspective, where are the areas that you see artificial intelligence being the most helpful for those of us in the people function? I think in general, whenever there's semi-structured data, unstructured data, cross-referencing a bunch of different data sets, AI is useful. More concretely, thinking about sort of the HR recruiting people stack, starting with recruiting. We ourselves have a product here called Covey Scout. With Covey Scout, essentially, recruiters, hiring managers describe the strategy, who they're looking for, how they evaluate profiles, what trade-offs they make in their own words. And our AI is trained to then build a bot in our domain-specific language to go out and find those folks. This way, the human controls the strategy, controls the vision for what the role is, who the candidate should be. 
They control the candidate relationships. They build the relationships. They nurture it. And everything else in between is done by the computer system. So there's these natural places where whenever you think, gosh, I, I don't want to be doing something, you know, eyes bleeding, staring at resumes all day, every day, that sort of stuff, AI can play a part where it can take that work out of your plate where you're now doing the things that are most impactful. So I think there's a very natural place there. A couple of other things we've heard with larger customers that we talked to, we haven't built anything here, but employee engagement is an area where we hear quite a bit, especially with remote work, especially with a distributed workforce, getting a pulse on how the employees feel becomes so much more important. So, you know, AI is actually pretty good at sentiment analysis, things like that. The other part where we are spending a little bit of time thinking about is just on the data and analytics side of things. There's so much data. V0 was, let's look at all of the reporting data and have it presented. I think V1 of that is going to be more proactive instead of reactive. Understand what changes you're seeing and make some decisions as a result of it. That makes a ton of sense. I And I agree. I think recruiting is the tip of the spear here. This is the most obvious initial application of this technology where work is incredibly repetitive. Chris, do you have anything to, to add here about where AI might be able to play a helpful part in the people function? I mean, I would say any space where we can use AI to work more efficiently, that would be the space where we want to use AI as a tool and as a resource. But we want to still allow humans to do the strategic work, like Vijay said, the empathetic work, the human forward work, the emotional work that that people practitioners do. And I feel like there's probably a trillion examples of this. Is AI ready to sit with a manager and an employee and do a mediated conversation or sit with a leader and talk through org development? Like AI is so far away from being able to help with those things, but we can use AI to plug in a bunch of data and help inform a conversation around org development or attrition and understand kind of data and patterns. Another great example is like everything that we build from a policy or program perspective is so unique to our culture and our organization. And I think could chat GPT pop me out like a really amazing expense policy V1 right now? Yes. Would I need to tweak the crap out of it to help it fit my culture, my organization, my values, my spending habits as a business? Totally, right? It can give us a rough draft, but then you need that human magic to make it ours, make it our organizations, make it our cultures and make it for us. Absolutely. Understand again, like that this is not an opaque fly by night, just accept any output, garbage in, garbage out. You got to make sure that there is a human educated on the back end of this, taking that work in, massaging it, and then applying it to their organization. I think that's going to, you know, really help make it work. What I think, Jay, of like, oh, wow, I really don't want to sit down and look at a blank screen and, and bang this out right now. Give me something to redline. I'll redline all day, right? Right. There's so many different places that we can plug AI into our everyday to make our lives and our jobs that much better. Chris, I want to go back to your earlier statement that there is some HR work that AI should not take on. What are some of the headaches that artificial intelligence may potentially bring to our field? I think that's a great question, and I think it probably ties back to diversity, inclusion, belonging, biases as like the big hot topic for me. And I think that AI technology is, is obviously rapidly evolving, and we're very much still learning and on the precipice of the technology. But any flaw in the model for AI that it's being trained on, it's going to be magnified, right? It's going to be, it's going to be right in your face. Humans are the people that are programming these tools and humans are, we're flawed and we are biased, whether we want to believe that we are or not. 
we are in our own small ways. And so our output outputs could be biased as well. So I think it's really important that as we're using these tools and integrating them into HR practices and technology, that we are cognizant of that, aware of that, and that we are building diverse teams and people around us that are building this technology. That makes so much sense. Vijay, any other pitfalls that you, that you want to point out? Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. And this may be perhaps more of a surprise for myself building sort of like an AI product in the space for our team, because in the design of it with our customers, we learned a lot about this, right? There's like at least a few interesting things that we've learned, right? I think our own product, the recruiter owns the strategy. They're kind of describe why I evaluate a candidate's profile this way. And, and what are the trade-offs that I as a human make? That's the same stuff that I would share with someone else. I share in my own natural language. And the AI system's job is to then transform it into a domain-specific language that can just go out and find and execute that strategy. So it's extremely constrained because ultimately that's what takes a bunch of my time and I don't want to invest any of my time there. Alongside this, you get a whole bunch of transparency that you need to expose. The decision-making around how to build an organization is led by the humans, right? Like, hey, our leadership is all, you know, men. We need more female leadership. I need to take certain actions to remediate that as far as building an organization that I'm proud of, that, 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 that represents the values that I care about. It's this interplay of... I need to own the strategy as the human, as the driver. I need to have the necessary tools that give me visibility into how best to make this decision. But once I have the strategy, once I have almost the declaration of what I want to do, everything else that's not that has to be taken away. And I think that's how, I think winning systems here will be designed. It's gonna have that much control for the human. And and you know, if it's an assistant, then it's like, hey, give me the suggestions. Let me decide whether or not I wanna accept those suggestions. So I think that's the shape, I think, of how good systems here will likely be designed as a partner, as something that enhances rather than replaces the existing team. I think that you make some really wonderful points here. And I just want to offer certainly not an alternative perspective, but a flip side to the coin, which are candidates are now using AI as well. So there, there are tools for our teams, and then there are tools that are now made available to the public that they are using. Everything from writing their resumes, revising their bios, hitting up their LinkedIn's and, and judging those. I mean, I did it to my bio, I don't know, a few months ago. Again, it takes some work, but you have to learn these tools, right? And Chris, I love that you bring this up. There, there is bias in the tool itself because oftentimes there is not a diverse team, a team representing the world in which we live, actually building it. And I just recently saw an example. There was a woman who said that she was revising and updating her personal brand because she had been recently laid off. And so she had help from ChatGPT to do her resume and, and to write her bio on LinkedIn. And then she went to MidJourney to kind of zhuzh up her headshots. And do you know what Midjourney did? It completely oversexualized her. It gave the male gaze version of what they thought a female employee looked like. Well, the robot overlord didn't pick that. That's data in, right? That's the tool that was being built. We think about that specific thing quite a bit, right? It is trained on data that is highly biased. Large chunks of the internet, it's going to be quite biased. So much so, even like the underlying entity in all of this, right? like a word embedding has bias encoded in it. Language, language that we have that we're trained on has bias in it. I will say one thing that is nice to see is we're having a conversation about this now at the earliest stages of this technology, Yes, which is amazing. Yes, yes, yes. And it's nice to see the companies building the foundation models are actually caring about this and it's coming to the forefront. But there are algorithms here, right? I think de-biasing is a real thing. So 
while there are things that you can do, these systems are inherently biased. And they recognize that. You can give it a, a, a chat GPT, a, a job description, say like extract the bias out or explain the bias to me and it can do a pretty good job of it too. But I think like any solution or any sets of solutions here that HR practitioners, recruiters embrace will have to be something that allows you to essentially have some kind of like an override on top of that, somewhere where you can explicitly state, control, define your strategic goals. Because without that, these systems are going to be inherently flawed. I want to integrate a question that we actually got from Lattice's Resource for Human Slack community. So we went to the community to talk about AI, right? We wanted to know what was happening within our own community, what questions folks were having. And this conversation we're having right now reminds me of a question from a user, Blythe Hart Reese. And she says, my biggest concerns are how to mitigate the historical data's inherent biases. We're far from a point where we can say that there's no evidence of racism or disparate impact on our data. How can bias be controlled for once a tool goes live? And so, Vijay, you covered a lot of this in your last commentary, but as a founder who is integrating this tech into your own products and building uh, your own technology and training your own models, I'd love to get more of your thoughts on this. As a founder and as a parent to a boy and a, and a girl. Yeah, a brand new baby. Congratulations. Brand new baby, indeed. Just thinking about them and, you know, like a world where it's not equitable for our children is just gut-wrenching, but that's the world we live in. A lot of it has to go towards intentional design, right? Our system isn't, okay, hey, here's, you know, five people in the funnel. Go find me exactly people that match that profile. Then you're going to have very skewed behavior. The system has to be... No, for our organization, these are the strategic goals. This is what an evaluation of a successful profile here looks like. This is what an evaluation of the trade-offs that we make looks like. Now, computer system, AI, go build something in a domain-specific language. So we built a custom language that our AI knows how to write into, to your question about the choices that we're making, such that we can sort of like put certain guardrails into how it makes those choices, right? In this domain-specific language, build a bot, execute exactly on this sort of like strategic requirement and go find people that match that profile. So I think like the design of these systems has to incorporate that. And I, I do think like that's probably gonna be the shape of solutions, not just in HR, but in enterprise SaaS in general, where you take a lot of these amazing emergent abilities and you fine tune it for your specific domain across your own data in interesting ways and you constrain it for the needs of the problem. So the human will have to be the strategic decision maker. The transparency has to be there in terms of why certain decisions are made. You need to be able to explain those in whatever software you build. So we spent a lot of time designing, building around those things. And obviously the goal is such that you then can spend all of your time building relationships with candidates and managing annoying hiring managers and everything else that you need to be doing that no one else absolutely can. And that's a great segue going back towards the positive, right? If we understand the inherent challenges and, and frankly, opportunities that we have to adjust and, and inform and educate while we are on the ground floor here as this technology is being adopted in the earliest days. But Vijay, I want to talk a little bit more specifically about how AI can impact recruiting teams' outcomes. So as we know, many companies have recently downsized their recruiting teams because of the economy, which means there's less 
cash, <laughs> frankly, to hire people. Therefore, less people needed in the actual recruiting function within organizations. But that doesn't mean we aren't hiring. There is natural attrition, meaning people are quitting, being out managed out for performance reasons. So even if you don't have a robust hiring plan for the rest of the year, you're still going to need someone to help manage your recruiting function. Thinking about Covey, specifically, because that's obviously something you're very knowledgeable about, how can teams of different sizes best use AI to improve their efficiency? Zero interest rate, low interest rate sort of world, there's a lot of choices that we had made. It's like scale, 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 grow, grow, grow. And it was build this massive recruiting army, talent army. You hire these super thoughtful, empathetic, amazing humans, and you're like stared profiles all day. And obviously, when the market conditions change, when the interest rates change, so on and so forth, it's like, hey, you know, team is laid off 10, 20, 30%. Talent team laid off 80%. HR team impacted 90%, right? It's almost as if there's an unfortunate loss of humanity in some of those activities. So, so everyone that we talk to, I don't think they want to go back to that world of hire a bunch of humans, have them do sort of like low, for lack of a better word, low value things. And we're hearing that from all of the CEOs. But as you said, the market is changing. We are seeing growth. We are seeing signs of, of recovery. A lot of our customers are hiring and hiring more aggressively as well. That's such good news. <laughs> and so I think the way forward will be, you have these recruiters or leaner recruiting teams that own the strategy, that know how to navigate the hiring manager relationship, that know what the organization needs, that understand that, hey, we need to have a greater diversity of perspective in our organization to be a healthier organization right? Leaders who have points of view and want to accomplish that. And then everything in the task of accomplishing that, that really computer systems are better at doing, should be done by a computer system. And I think it's great to see folks embracing this, but I think we'll see a ton more of this. We'll see it as both, I think, as products and companies for the things like, you know, Scout, where it is a whole system trained to do a specific purpose, but we'll also see it as features, right? I'll give you a good example. So obviously, Scout can go find people based on your descriptions, but we launched a little feature where if you're sending out a, a sequence template as a recruiter, some email recruiting automation, Covey can look at the candidate's profile and automatically write a couple of lines, like a little bit of personalization that's, that's impactful and meaningful. And the amount of joy that that brings recruiters has been awesome to see as well. So I, I, think, I think we'll see all, all shapes and sizes of that from a recruiting perspective. And then alongside that, you're going to have a lot of data work. I think understanding the data, understanding the funnels. I think one thing I wanted to mention in the previous sort of thing about bias, like I, mean, I start funnels all day, every day, helping a lot of our customers. And you see these applicant funnels, right? You'll see them have, you know, like, you know, let's say for an engineering role, you know, like 80% male, 20% female applicants, things like that. Where it gets like shockingly interesting is like the, the hiring manager screen to onsite, you see a massive dip. It gets even worse. Right. Those problems don't instantly go away once you kind of like wrangle the AI. Like it's it's these will make your life easier. So you can now have the mental space to focus on the things that actually matter. So that's something that we're super, super excited about. Oh, that is such music to my ears across the board. Let's focus on the things that matter. And I think back to the earliest days of HR tech, you know, 15 years ago, that didn't even exist as a vertical. Chris and I both joined this world when things were still being developed and we were using spreadsheets. We were using Excel for everything. And 
it was just in the beginning of the transformation of the entire people and culture function from HR to people and culture. And the reason we were allowed to do that was because of technology. Without those tools, our teams would still be relegated to the back room, crunching numbers, trying to make payroll happen every two weeks. But because we were able to convince a few brave founders, our friends, to build a software that allowed us to do the high impact work. And yes, I will give an explicit shout out to Jack Altman and Lattice for engaging and for listening and actually building tools that real operators and practitioners needed so desperately. Only because of that and people like Jack and and the whole team at Lattice and, and other HR tech companies, we were allowed to bring strategy into the conversation in a much different way. And so I view this moment in time with AI absolutely as no different. This is 100% something we should be leaning into and getting really excited about. So thank you for that perspective. Now, Chris, I want to go to you and talk about a slightly different experience which is the candidate experience or the employee experience of fear, fear of AI coming in and taking our jobs. And so looking again at our Resources for Human Slack community, there is a user, her name is Tamini Fernandez, and she says, how do you think AI will change the job market? It seems like it has the potential to eliminate, reduce, or change lots of jobs. What are the consequences and how can we best prepare for them? Chris, how real do you think the threat of AI is to the average person's job? That is such a loaded question. I wish I had a crystal ball, but I feel like it would be wrong for us to make an assumption that AI is going to replace humans altogether, right? We've talked a lot in this podcast about the need for human strategy, the need for human intervention. AI can do a ton and it can do a lot of menial work. Is it going to replace humans' jobs altogether? I don't think so. The strategic work, right? The empathetic work that we've been talking a lot about in the podcast, I think that AI is going to come in and help humans work more efficiently and effectively. And ultimately, it might take over some human work, right? Hopefully, right? Right. Hopefully. Will it replace humans' existence? Maybe in some sectors it will. I think that's a high possibility. But I think that to your point, Caitlin, you know, back in the day, we were doing benefits and payroll and spreadsheets. And I think that now technology is evolving even quicker than it was 10, 15 years ago. And as it relates to AI, the most important thing that we can do is continue to learn so that we don't get left behind. I think another super meta thing that we could do in this moment is ask AI what they think about replacing jobs themselves. Like what does AI think about AI replacing the work of humans? So meta. So meta. So let's ask ChatGPT here. Are you gonna do it live? I wanna do it live. Yes. Yeah, let's see what yes. chat let's see what Chat GPT says about it replacing the job <laughs> of humans. Wait, let me press enter here. I'll read what Chat GPT says about this. Okay. AI is already starting to replace certain jobs. And this trend is like very cocky, but they know what they're doing. <laughs> And this trend is likely to continue in the future as AI technologies advance. Jobs that involve repetitive, routine, and predictable tasks are more susceptible to being automated by AI. Some examples of jobs that could be replaced or significantly impacted by AI include manufacturing, data entry, customer support, transportation, retail, data analysis, 
routine medical diagnoses. So that's what ChatGPT says about it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We're we're saying maybe not. Yes, absolutely. GPT <laughs> is very confident that it will it will be replacing some humans' yeah. jobs in the future at some point. Thanks for doing that quick demo. Um, how fun, Chris! I like what you said about learning. The biggest disservice any of us can do is to stop learning, stop being curious, right? Don't be scared of this. Get in there, learn the tools. And so I I heard someone say, and AI is not going to replace human. It's going to replace the humans who refuse to learn. This AI automation wave isn't necessarily massively different from all of the step functions that we've seen in certain ways, right? Obviously, there's things that it does that are just mind-boggling and amazing. But as an automation step function, it isn't like vastly different, right? There's this massive fallacy in economics called lump of labor fallacy, right? Which is like, hey, there's a fixed amount of work. If machines come in and do some of that work, then you have no work, therefore you'll be out of a job. We know over the last 100, 150 odd years that that's not the case, right? Usually what happens is you then get higher order strategic, better jobs and increased wages also. And there's no reason to believe that this is going to be any different from that. So I just wanted to reiterate that just because it does seem like this wave is here to stay, which means embracing it, not shying away from it, not treating it as me versus the system, but how do I get more leverage out of it? And I think like people are realizing that you know the systems need to be designed to be an assistant, an associate to humans. Absolutely. I, th- I think about going back to the analogy with early HR tech, where I remember a moment in time when payroll specialists were petrified that a new payroll system was rolling out because they were like, but, but this is what I do all week. This is, what do I do? And guess what they did? Their scope increased, right? Suddenly it went from payroll to total rewards. Now we're looking at total compensation and other ways in which we can support and compensate our employees, not just through a paycheck, right? It helped and gave this time and space for our payroll specialists to go out and actually do benchmarking exercises and actually look at pay equity. And so really looking at it more as as a broadening of the scope of your role, making you therefore more valuable, right? I started getting familiar with it on a personal level, because I think when we think about learning in the workspace, we're so afraid of making mistakes and there's a higher degree of pressure. So for folks that are listening that are like, I haven't even touched things like ChatGPT and want to get familiar and start learning, get in there, but make it less heavy. Like get in there and have it plan a vacation for you or recommend a book that you really want to read. Start playing with that technology until you get familiar with it, where you're starting to understand how it works and then you can have it help you analyze data sets in a spreadsheet, right? But start small and that might help people take the fear out of learning. I love that tip so much, Chris. And you remind me of an experience that I had several months ago now where I was chatting with a very important person in the financial world. It was my first time meeting this individual. And the first question I was asked was, what do you think about AI? And so I, you know, I... I just threw the question back at this guy and I was like, well, what do you think about it? I really think this gives us an opportunity to be more human, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. And what he shared with me was an example. He said, it's my wife and I's 50th anniversary this coming week. And after 50 years of being married, there isn't a whole lot left to give one another in terms of gifts. And so he turned to ChatGPT and said, what are 10 questions I can ask my wife to deepen our relationship? And then when I said, oh my gosh, that's really beautiful. What were the questions? He said, hold on. And he pulled out a printed piece of paper. And then he said, here, I made an extra copy. I said, my husband and I are celebrating our 25th this year. And so he gave me a copy. These things should improve 
our life experience, not detract, right? And so Chris, to your point, go and play and learn. This thing is not just about your specific job, your specific function. This technology is going to hopefully help better connect us as humans. All right, rapid fire. You all know the gist of this. You've heard the podcast. So we're going to jump into rapid fire questions. I'm going to do my best to direct these questions to both of you, but I'll tell you who to go first. Chris, you're first. On what exact date will we welcome our robot overlords? <laughs> Just kidding. Let's ask, let's ask <laughs> ChatGPT. Do it. Oh my God. Rapid fire for ChatGPT. Yes, please. The question, question for ChatGPT is when will you take over the world? On what exact date? <laughs> okay. As an AI language model, I do not have intentions, desires, or the capability to take over the world or any form of autonomy. My purpose is to assist and provide information to users like yourself. See, just making our lives better. Making our lives better. <laughs> I, I tried the same thing to see if it would give me a different answer. And it's like, I'm not your overlord. Just watch out. <laughs> These things are so nuanced. It's wild. Like, not what I, not what one would have expected. Right. I have been incredibly impressed with how polite ChatGPT is. And, and in the event the overlords, the robot overlords come, I have done my best to go out of my way to say please and thank you always to Siri, Alexa, all of the, all of the <laughs> robots that exist in our lives. I am very polite just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Okay. Vijay, say we live in a world where AI handles all of the monotonous tasks and we have our time back. How would you spend your days? That's an amazing question. I mean, right now I'm obsessed with a couple of things. I would say like Covey, Covey related things. And then kids, like what, you know, it's been a ton of time with my wife and kids. I think to the extent Covey's mission is to empower professional lives. And then if in that path, I can empower, get more time to even empower my personal life with my kids. I have two wonderful children, an amazing wife. So I think, I think that's where I probably most of that time goes. That, that makes a lot of sense. I, I thought for sure you were going to say sleep <laughs> because you have such a brand new baby. Sleep would be nice. What is sleep? Like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, like you forgot it's an option. Uh, I think it's just, I just learned to operate on, on a complete yeah. lack of sleep. Fumes. That's yeah. a great thing. <laughs> Chris, what about you? What, how would you spend your time if AI is planning your vacations? Um, I think I would, you know, similar to Vijay, just spend more time with the people that I loved and doing some of the things that I love, just baking a little bit more, reading a little bit more, writing a little bit more poetry, just doing the things that fill my heart. Yeah. All right, Chris, we're going to stick with you. Last and final question. When was the last time you were deeply proud of something you've accomplished? Oh, wow. Okay. This is a wildly corny answer, but it's true. Like truly the, probably the last time I was really proud of myself was I've been doing yoga and new to yoga and like really getting into, to it. And I really perfected the crow pose, which is a specific pose in the yoga practice. And I did it and I could hold, I felt my strength and I probably held it for all of 20 seconds. And it was the first time I did it with, with true stability. And I was just so proud of myself that I, that I nailed it. Oh, I love that. Well, we are proud of you too. That's pretty phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. And, And Vijay, same question for you. When was the last time you were deeply proud of something you've accomplished? I can tell you when the last time I felt deeply proud, I don't know if it's something that I accomplished. I don't know if that counts. Like it was a couple of days back. 
the summer, you know, we've been doing a little basketball hoop at home. And it's been awesome. Like, you have a five-year-old and he's starting to shoot some hoops. He actually juked me and, and made a shot. And I, like, it's, it's, so, <laughs> it's so weird to feel proud. Like that level of pride yeah. for someone else doing something. Yeah. But that was like a, a an amazing experience. We're like, wow, we didn't really like, you know, practice that or, or do anything like that. And he just kind of did it. And so I think being able to feel pride for someone else's accomplishments is a pretty tremendous feeling. Getting dunked on by your little kid. I was like, I shortly thereafter followed up with a block. So I, I felt good yeah, about absolutely. that. Absolutely. Maybe not so proud, but yeah. I felt good about it. <laughs> well, that's a wrap, gang. There you have it. We've talked about AI. We've talked about kids dunking on each other. We've talked about pro poses. But more importantly, we've talked about humans doing more human work and living better lives because of technology. So Chris and Vijay, thank you both so much for sharing your perspectives with us here today on All Hands. And please, please keep leading authentically. Thanks, Caitlin. Thank you so much. And to you, dear listeners, Thank you so very much for joining me on this week's episode of All Hands. I'm your host, Caitlin Holloway. If you want to join Lattice's Resources for Humans Slack community, head to the show notes to learn more about joining. All Hands is produced by Lattice in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Christine Spore, Annette Cardwell, Rachel King, Amy Machado, Hannah Pedersen, Danielle Roth, David Swick, and Carter Wogan. I'll see you next time on All Hands. Until then, my friends, please keep leading authentically. <laughs>